So the year is 1942. And in the winter of 1942, the forces of Nazi Germany occupied all of Europe, including France. But for over a year leading up to 1942, the Allied forces had been planning an invasion into France to take the offensive back against the Nazi regime. And on June 6, 1942, over 150,000 Allied forces stormed the beaches of Normandy, France. The, the battle there on the beaches was brutal, and thousands of soldiers lost their lives that day. But over the course of the next few weeks, Allied forces began to push inland and to capture key places in France. That battle has come to be known as D-Day. And while it was not the only battle fought during World War II, it, it was the turning point. It was a crucial battle. It was the beginning of the end for the German forces, the Nazi forces. And today, I want to talk about battle. More specifically, I want to talk about your battle and my battle. The battle that every single follower of Jesus Christ faces on a daily basis. But before we get there, I just want to kind of remind you of where we are in this series that's titled Family Spirit. We have been walking through the, the book of Acts, and we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the early church and talking about how the Holy Spirit is to be at work in our lives. And I hope that as we've walked through these weeks together and we've looked at the working of the Spirit, that we have come to realize that each of us needs a fresh infilling of the Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. And I, I hope that all of us are hungry to see the work of the Spirit accomplished in, in not just our church, but in us as we walk with Jesus. Now, we've been camped out in a particular passage for quite a while now. It's, it's found at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And it's this description that, that Luke gives us of the life of the early church. But just before we get to looking at that passage again, let me just remind you of how this happened. On the day of Pentecost, which was a, a feast that the Jewish people celebrated, there were a multitude of Jews gathered in Jerusalem from all different parts of the Roman Empire. They were there to celebrate the feast. And that's the day when the Holy Spirit came on these early believers who were waiting for the promise of the Spirit as Jesus had told them. And he fell on them. They spoke in other languages and tongues and, and the crowd was amazed and bewildered. And Peter stands up with the rest of the disciples and he delivers a message of the gospel. And we see in Acts 2, chapter, or verse 41, what happened as a result of that message, as the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of those who listened. It said, so those who received his word 
were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and the church was born. 3,000 baby Christians gathered together from all different parts of the realm with different cultural backgrounds. Yes, they were all Jewish people, but, but they had come from different areas. And, and now they begin to live out the life of the church together. And Luke describes that for us at the end of chapter 2. That we pick up that description in verse 44 this morning. He says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now last week, Pastor Jim talked about the generosity that we see in these early Christians as they lived together. How the Holy Spirit was producing this generosity in them. We get an even fuller picture of that generosity if we look at chapter 4. And Luke says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Uh, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So, So last week we looked at a particular characteristic that was evident, this characteristic of generosity. But this week, instead of looking at a specific characteristic that was displayed in the life of the early church, I want to step back and I want to ask, how did these people get here? I mean, think about it. They're they're a diverse group of people. And they're gathered together. These are baby Christians. And they're living like this. In harmony. They're enjoying each other's company. They're they're gathering in each other's homes. They're eating together. They're they're meeting each other's needs. How in the world did they get to this place? What we are seeing happen here is the work of the Holy Spirit. More specifically, what we are seeing displayed is the fruit of the Spirit in the life of these believers. Many of you are familiar with Paul's description of the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what's on display here. The very characteristics of God himself, the nature of God that we call the fruit of the Spirit, are being produced in the lives of these Christians. And we've talked about this a little bit before in previous messages, but I think it is very easy for us to read this description, to hear about these first Christians, and to think that somehow they were super spiritual. But were they? 
I mean, it sure sounds like it. It sounds like they were super spiritual, that they were somehow plugged in in a special way so that the Spirit just flowed through them. And why do we feel that? Because we think of our own experience. And when we hear about their life together as an early church, we think, man, it just must have happened somehow. Because it doesn't seem to happen that way for us. Were they super spiritual? I'm, I'm here this morning to tell you that they were not. And I know that for a couple of reasons. One, simply be, because they're people. They're just people like you and like me. But I, I know that more specifically because of what God says in his word. Now you're maybe familiar with that verse we read earlier about the fruit of the Spirit. But maybe you didn't know that, that that description of the fruit of the Spirit is found in a larger description about the battle. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 makes it very clear that if the fruit of the Spirit is going to be produced in the life of a Christian, it will only come because of a battle. There is a battle that results in fruit in our lives. And every believer battles. Maybe you're aware of it. Maybe you're not. But every single Christian battles. The early Christians every Christian since the early church, and every believer who's gathered here this morning, we are in a battle. And if the fruit of the Spirit is going to be produced in our life, it is because we battle. Paul describes this in Galatians 5. He says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let's just unpack this for a minute. Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit. He's, he's telling believers that we need to walk by the Spirit. He says that because we are indwelt by the Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them and so Paul says to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now he uses that term here, flesh, and he's referring to our sinful nature. That thing inside each of us that is inclined towards sin, inclined towards doing the things that we are not to do, the things that, that are not characteristic of the Spirit. The Spirit and our sinful nature are both within us and they are opposed to each other. There's a battle. 
Some of you are keenly aware of the battle, and others of you are not. But it is in you nonetheless, if you're a Christian. And this morning, there's four things that you need to know about this battle that is within you. Now, if I was a more accomplished preacher, these four things would rhyme, but they don't. Sorry about that. I tried for a moment. I just gave up. Now, here's the four things that you need to know about this battle that you are fighting, that the battle is fought in your heart, that the battle is already won, that your battle is not over, and that the end of the story is written. This battle is fought in your heart. Your battle the battle's already won. But even though it's already won, your battle is not over. But the end of the story is written. This battle, the battle that Paul describes, is fought in your heart. It's in here that the Holy Spirit and your sinful nature are waging war. That you are called to engage now, frankly, it's a lot easier to focus on the battles out here. And I think if you ask most Christians to, to describe the battle that we're in, that many of us would immediately think of circumstantial difficulties, of trials that come into our life, things that are hard to deal with, that we battle through. We might even think of the enemy, Satan, and our battle against spiritual forces. But the most important battle that you and I are called to fight is the battle that is in here, in our heart. Because that is the place that Jesus Christ wants to transform us. He desires to work a change in each of us. And it goes on in here. And frankly, if we take an honest look at the battle inside, it can be scary. I can feel pretty good about myself if I just focus on the external battle. Be behavioral modification. I, I can begin to change some of the things that, that I know are wrong and, and read my Bible more and begin to do the things that a Christian should do externally. But if I'm willing to take an honest look in here, what I'll see is this ongoing battle between my sinful nature and the Spirit. And sometimes, when I look in there, I'd rather just turn away and focus on something out here. But that is where the battle takes place. Just think about the fruit of the Spirit and the battle that is required for the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in us. The, the, the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you and in me love. But what has to happen in order for love to be produced? Hate. 
has to be battled against. Hate and all the other things that that would fight against love, prejudice. Bigotry. Polarization. All the things that would say, I want nothing to do with you because you are not like me or you don't think like me. There's a battle between what's in here and what the Holy Spirit would produce, which is love. Joy. That's what the Spirit wants to produce in each of us, and yet there is a battle. Discouragement sometimes can steal our joy, but so can fear and insecurity or shame. And there's a battle that goes on between what the Spirit wants to produce in us when it comes to joy and what's inside as a result of our sinful nature. The Spirit wants to produce peace. And which one of us doesn't struggle at times with worry and anxiety? He wants to produce patience. And how often do we struggle with impatience and kindness? The Spirit wants to produce kindness towards every single person that we encounter. And yet, there's a lot of people that we struggle with. Whether it's out here or just in here, we don't feel kindness. We feel unkindness. It's a battle of the heart. That's where it's fought. And there are times... If we're honest enough to look inside at the battle that is ongoing between my sinful nature and the Spirit, that we feel like we can't win. And that's why we also need to know that the battle is already won. Paul talks about this battle a lot in Romans 6. And one of the things he says is found in verse 6. We know that our old self, this sinful nature, was crucified with him, with Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. There was a time before you knew Jesus Christ that you were a slave to sin, whether you realized it or not. Your destiny was hell. You were an enemy of God. And your sinful nature was in control of you. Whether you felt like you were a good person or not, you were a slave to sin. But Jesus Christ claimed you for himself. He broke the power of sin and death in your life. And your sinful nature is no longer in control if you know Jesus Christ. That victory is won. And you no longer have to submit to the sinful nature. When you came to Christ, 
He poured his spirit out into you. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. And when that occurred, he started this work in you of transformation, of making you more and more like Jesus. And that work will get finished. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has won this battle for you. You aren't losing if you know him. And it would be so much easier if not only was the victory won, but that the battle was also over. But it's not. Your battle, this internal battle of the heart, your battle's not over. At the end of this chapter 5 in Galatians, Paul says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There is this ongoing nature of this battle, this keeping in step with, this day-by-day, step-by-step process of engaging in the battle. In Romans 8, Paul describes the battle this way. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If the Spirit indwells in you, then you're led by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, He will lead you to put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. It is by the Spirit. But hear how He says this. If by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you are called to engage in the battle. It is by the Spirit's power. But you are called to fight. There is a violence in the original Greek language when Paul uses this phrase, put to death. It is to kill violently. We are called to engage in the battle, and it is, it is ongoing. And I, to be honest with you, I think this is the area that most of us struggle with. I, I think most of us have heard that, that the fruit of the Spirit is to be produced in our life. And if we're honest enough to look beyond the external things, and we begin to look at our heart, and we see where we are and we compare it to where we are called to be, what we see is the gap. 
And sometimes the gap between who I am and who I am called to be is so big that it feels overwhelming. There's times when you're battling and and as a believer, you feel like the Holy Spirit has been at work and, and you kind of reached a new height of growth and you feel like it's time to just coast a little bit. I've reached a pinnacle. And all of a sudden, you're struggling with the same stuff again. And you feel like, what's happening? thought I was done with this. There's times when the Holy Spirit is gently leading us and, and what he brings us to is something that we don't want to face. Because the gap between where we are and, and where we need to be seems too big. And we can lose heart. I get weary of the battle. I get tired of fighting the same things over and over again in my sinful nature. And I feel sometimes like just sitting down. Do I have to keep engaging in this battle? Why am I here again? And when I feel that way, when I begin to lose heart in the battle, that's when I need to remember that the end of the story is written. Now, when we started this series, we, we looked at the promise that Jesus made to his disciples In John 14, the promise of the Spirit that he was leaving, but that he would leave the Spirit, that the Spirit would come to be with them and in them. And that promise is not just for the disciples, but for us as well. But it's not the only promise that Jesus made to them and to us. And I want us to look back and see what it is that he promised to you and to me. He says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yes, your battle's not over. Yes, you are called to engage day by day in this battle against your sinful nature by the power of the Spirit. But this is not the end of the story. You have a victorious king. And he is coming again.
He has got a hold of you and he will bring you home. He promised and he will not fail. At the end of Philippians chapter 3, Paul describes this perspective that we are to have and in beautiful words, he says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. He is coming. He will finish this transformation that he started in you. And so now, as day to day you are engaging in this battle, remember that he will finish it. He is coming. He does reign. Would you stand with me? As the worship team comes and we, and we prepare to close this service in a song, I want to ask you a question. Will you battle? Now, maybe you're here today and, and you came in and were pretty much unaware that there was a battle. Because you're focused on the things out here. Will you battle? Are you willing to keep in step with the Spirit? Will you say yes to the Holy Spirit as He calls you to battle the things in your heart? To say no to your sinful nature and yes to whatever He calls you to. Will you battle? You need to know that the Holy Spirit is not calling you to take a step from where you are to perfection. He's just calling you to take the next step. The next step. Will you affirm to him today that you will take the next step? You may not even know what that is. But you can say yes. You can say yes. I will follow. I will stay in step. Sometimes we need to affirm that. To take a stand. To say spirit. I will follow you. I will take the next step. Whatever it is. I want to affirm that today. And as we sing this song about the battle that Jesus has already won, the battle that we are to engage in, I want to ask if you would take a step and come forward and affirm your yes to the Holy Spirit to say, whatever you have for me, whatever thing that you want me to face in this battle, I will take the next step.